Welcome back to the Biblical Principles Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. As you can tell, my voice has recovered. That was quite a lengthy period there. There's something about trying to do a podcast and your voice not being quite up to par, but it seems as if everything is back to normal now. And so I'm extremely thankful for that. And I want to tell you that I'm extremely thankful for you listening. I appreciate you allowing me to be a part of your life. And I do pray the podcast is a blessing, which it's been a a good study. And I, I thoroughly enjoy the Christian life. I can say that right now in my Christian life, I'm busier than I've ever been, but I'm having the greatest time of my life serving Jesus Christ. So I want to deal with a topic today. I want to deal with this topic, the error of Calvinism. The error of Calvinism. Of course, Calvinism believes that you're either saved or lost, that you have no choice at all in the matter, that God decides those who will be saved and those who will be lost. They use a, they use a teaching, which I call it the theory. I call this the theory of Calvinism or the tulip theory. They use a teaching called the tulip. And basically what they do is they use the word tulip as a... Um, as an acrostic, and of course the T means total depravity of man, the U means unconditional election, the L means limited atonement, the I means irresistible grace, and the P means perseverance of the saints. And it basically is very, it's a damning doctrine, number one. It it confuses mankind. It, um It'll also condemn mankind. I would hate to think that I didn't know beyond any shadow of a doubt that I was saved. But it, it's, a, it's a doctrine nevertheless, or it's a teaching nevertheless, or it's a false religion nevertheless that I feel like is important to deal with because I, I don't want to confuse anybody. But at the same time, when you have a podcast called Biblical Principles, you're dealing with Bible principles you have to refute some of the false doctrines. So that's, that's what we're going to do today. And like I said before, we're going to deal with the era of Calvinism. And Calvinism teaches that people are basically predestined to be saved or lost using the tulip theory. So let's look at number one under the tulip theory, and the, that would be total depravity total depravity. And of course, that means that mankind is incapable of responding to God. Mankind is incapable of responding to God. And if you have your Bible, let's turn over to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter 11 in verses number 28 through 30. Jesus said this, "'Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest.'" Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, if we believed in the total depravity of man, then we would have to take the, ber- the verse, Matthew chapter 11, and verse number 28, out of the Bible. Because Jesus very clearly said this to man, Come unto me. And if mankind is incapable of responding to God, then Jesus Christ would not have said, come unto me. He wants us to come unto him. And that refutes, that's one of the verses we're going to use to refute 
the total depravity of man teaching is that Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 11, in verse number 28, he said, come unto me. And then turn over to the book of Acts chapter 17 in verse 30. The book of Acts chapter 17 in verse 30. And at the time of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commendeth, commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Now, let me ask you this. If the total depravity of mankind teaching is true, according to the errors of Calvinism, then why would God command every man everywhere to repent? To repent means to turn from the direction you're going, which is that of a sinful man, and turn unto the direction of God. Now, if we didn't have a choice in the matter, or if we were incapable of responding, why would God have a desire for us to repent, which means to turn from sin to God? See, it's foolishness to sit here and try to believe this doctrine if you take the Bible and just read it. Just read the verses of the Bible. Jesus, everywhere throughout the Word of God, is beckoning and pleading with mankind to come to him. And here in the book of Acts chapter 17 and verse number 30, God wants man to repent. He wants them to turn. Now, if they're incapable of responding, then there's no way for them to repent. The book of Isaiah chapter 55 in verses 1 through 6. The book of Isaiah chapter 55 in verses 1 through 6. This is kind of a lengthy passage of Scripture, but I do want to deal with it as we go down through the verses. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye, there's that coming again, come ye to the water, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and a commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God. And for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Verse number six, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him, while he is near. Now, if I was incapable of responding to God, why here in the book of Isaiah would God, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, ask me to seek the Lord and to call upon him? It's foolishness. This, this error of Calvinism is a damnable doctrine that is foolishness when you, try to take, when you take the word of God and you refute it. Now, our second point under this tulip theory, of course, the first one was the T, which was total depravity. The second one is going to be the U, which is what they call unconditional election. Unconditional election, which means this. Mankind is saved without his knowledge or will. Mankind is saved without his knowledge or will. 
meaning very simply that God chooses who's saved and who's lost, and we don't even know that we're saved, and we don't even have a choice in the matter. We don't have a choice, meaning very simply a man that that is lost does not know that he's saved, and a man that's saved does not know he's lost because the election is unconditional under this tulip theory as we deal with the era of Calvinism. Let's turn to the book of Romans, chapter 10, in verses number 9 through 13. The book of Romans, chapter 10, in verses 9 through 13. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now here, the Apostle Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost of God, is given us a salvation verse where it says that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse number 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call, there's that calling again, upon him. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now here in the book of Romans chapter 10, it's very clear that if you will call upon the Lord, you will be saved and you will know you're saved. You will know there's no way that anything as big as God can move in on the inside of a lost sinner and him not know that God's there. It's not unconditional election. This, The Bible teaches a whosoever will doctrine. If you want Jesus, you can have Jesus. If you want a new life, you can have a new life. If you want a change in your life, you can call on God and he will change your life. The book of John chapter 3 in verses 14 through 18. The book of John, chapter 3, in verses 14 through 18. Let's look here real quick as we deal with this tulip theory, point number two, unconditional election, which means that mankind is saved with or without his knowledge or will. Verse number 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's just stop right there in verse number 16. I do want to continue on. But first off, I see in this verse, the gospel in a nutshell, John chapter 3, verse number 16. For God so loved the world. Now, there's a lot of people that can say a lot of things. But when I see the word world, do you know what I'm thinking about? Everybody. God so loved the world. From one ocean to the other, from the South Pole to the North Pole, God loved them all. For God so loved the world. And what did he do? Because he loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and why did he give him? That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, how in the world 
you can come up with a teaching like unconditional election with a verse like John 3.16 in the Bible. I have no idea. I hope that if you're listening to this podcast and you're mixed up in this false doctrine, that you will take your Bible and read the words in it and realize that the Word of God says that you can be saved and that God will save you. The reason he sent his son was to save mankind, to save the world. Let's continue reading in verse number 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Remember, Calvinism teaches that you're saved without knowledge or your will. You have no choice in the matter is what Calvinism teaches. Right here in verse number 18, it says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If you will call on the Lord Jesus Christ to save your soul, it doesn't matter anything about unconditional election. What you are doing is you are going to get saved, and you're going to know you're saved because you did what the Bible said. This is not a choice that is made by God before the foundation of the world. God beckons to every man, woman, boy, or girl, every sinner under the sun to be saved. It's not an unconditional election. It's a whosoever will gospel. And then as we move through this era of Calvinism, this tulip theory, number three is going to be the L which is limited atonement. This is what this means according to the Calvinist doctrine. Christ only died for the elect. Well, let's go back to John 3.16. And do you know what the Bible says in John 3.16? For God so loved the world. So there's not an elect. There's not an elect. There's a world that God loves. And this limited atonement one really gets under my skin because when I go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, in verse number 6, and if you have time, if you can just turn over there, the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, in verse number 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Look at them last two words, us all. Now, if it was just limited atonement, why would Jesus have the iniquity of us all laid on him? He paid the sin debt. That's what Jesus was doing when he was dying on the cross, making a way for the world to be able to get to God. And you say, well, you seem like you're a little upset about this. It's not that it upsets me, but at 23 years old, my life was in a mess, and I walked into a simple Bible-believing church, and I heard for the first time the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I realized for the first time in my life that I was a sinner, and my whole problem was sin, and that I needed Jesus, and that if I didn't get Jesus because of my sins, I was going to burn in hell, and I can't imagine what I would have done if I would have walked into a church that teaches this kind of heresy and they told me 
that there was no way for me to get to God, that I couldn't know it, 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 it would, I don't even know where I'd be. I don't even know where I'd be. And if you've walked into a place like this and you're looking for God, there's not limited atonement. Jesus died for us all. The book of 1 Timothy chapter 2 in verses 5 and 6. The book of 1 Timothy chapter 2 in verses 5 and 6. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. There's that all again, all of mankind. The blood that was shed on the cross of Christ would save the whole world if the whole world will just come to him. It's powerful blood. It's saving blood. It's satisfying blood. It's sin-cleansing blood. And if you're lost, there is no limited atonement. Jesus loved you so much, he died for you. And it's not about what we've done wrong. It's all about what he did right when he paid that sin debt. Then number four, number four, under the era of Calvinism, is going to be the I, the I. And this means irresistible grace, irresistible grace. This is what this means. If mankind is predestined to be saved, he will be saved. <laughs> I really thought I was going to be able to keep it together better for this podcast, but there's something that's starting all the way down in my little bitty toe, and it's starting to work its way all the way up to the crown of my head as I read this about irresistible grace. And this is their definition of it, the theory of Calvinism, the tulip theory. If mankind is predestined to be saved, he will be saved. Let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 23 in verse 37. Matthew chapter 23 in verse 37. Here Jesus is talking. If you've got a red letter edition in your Bible, these are red letters. Matthew 23 verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Irresistible grace teaches this. If mankind is predestined to be saved, he will be saved. But here in the book of Matthew, chapter 23 and verse number 37, Jesus is begging with Jerusalem to come unto him. And you know what he said? Ye would not. They wouldn't come unto him. So if I'm predestined to be saved, then I will be saved. How is it possible for me to reject the Lord Jesus Christ? It's possible for me to reject the Lord Jesus Christ very simply because man was given a volition, a choice. Man can either be saved or man cannot be saved. But that is up to man whether or not he'll repent and turn from his sins to God. It's not something God decided before I was born. It's something that God did when he died on a cross. And here we've got the Lord Jesus Christ saying very simply, ye wouldn't come to me. The book of John chapter 5 and verse 39 through 40. The book of John chapter 5 and verse 39 through 40. Of course, these are the red letters again. 
These are the words of Jesus. He said this. He said, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Here again, mankind has a choice. It's not a predestination. It's a choice. If you want to come to him, you can come to him. But here, they rejected the very Lord incarnate in flesh. They wouldn't come to him. Why? Because man has a choice. He's not predestined. It's not irresistible grace. It's the grace of God that's shed abundantly for the sins of the whole entire world. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 24. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 24. Because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. Here again, we see that mankind has a choice. He's not predestined. He has a choice whether or not he's going to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. And then lastly, number five, under this tulip theory, as we deal with the errors of Calvinism, is the P, which is the perseverance of the saints. This is the definition. The mark of one being saved is that they will serve God until the end of their life. Boy, don't that just roll off your tongue? When it rolls off mine, it makes me want to throw up. A perseverance of the saints. The mark of one being saved is that they will serve God till the end. You know what I see there? I see work salvation. Oh, yeah, you got to hang on to the end. If you were one of the elect and you don't know you're saved, it's already been predestined whether you were lost or saved from the beginning. Then, in order for you to really be saved, the mark of you really being saved is that you endure to the end. You serve Jesus all the way to the end. Man, you talk about a mess. So this is what I got to do if I'm a Calvinist. If I walk into a Calvinist church, I have to determine that if I'm one of the elect, number one, I don't know it. Number two, it's already been predetermined for me. So what I have to do is I have to serve God in that church until the end. And then maybe I'll be one of the elect. Or does that guarantee I'm one of the elect? No, you don't know if you're one of the elect. Well, let me ask you this. If you're one of the elect, can you just live any way you want to? And in the end, you'll make it into heaven. Could I just do that? Well, if God determined, I'm just saying, under this theory of Calvinism, this error of Calvinism, the, the, the tulip theory, then technically I could just live my life already be one of the elect, be saved and enjoy the sunny banks of deliverance and never even go to church because it was already predetermined, right? And they throw in this last point to prove it's a work salvation that you're going to persevere to the end. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So I'm very simply saved by grace through faith, and that it's not of myself. It's nothing that I can do. I don't have to persevere to the end. I understand that there is a, 
there is a push when you deal with work salvation to be able to make it to the end. But I'm not trying to make it to the end. Jesus did the complete work of salvation for me when he died on the cross. There is no reason for me to persevere, especially under a false doctrine that I can't even know for sure that I'm saved until after I die. The book of Titus, chapter 3, in verse number 5. The book of Titus, chapter 3, in verse number 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Verse number 6 which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's not perseverance. I'm not working to get to heaven. It's very, very simple. The Bible says, according to his mercy, he saved us. Perseverance is human works. But if you're saved by grace through faith, you have preservation, which is eternal security, or a divine work that's performed in your heart and your life when you got saved. The error of Calvinism, a damnable doctrine, the tulip theory will send men, women, boys, and girls out into eternity unprepared to meet God because they never got to a point where they realized they were a sinner and they needed to repent of their sins or turn from their sins to God.